Hello there, friend. Welcome. This is episode 100, the official episode 100, and we're celebrating Jesus Smart, the podcast. And we're going to hear today seven highlights from seven guests. We'll also be hearing from listeners and friends of the show, a special message at the end, increasing your kingdom footprint. This is Brian Del Turco. You're listening to Jesus Smart, the podcast, episode 100. It's a milestone episode. We're marking the moment. And, uh, you know, recently we made it up through episode 99, and then we did like a 99.5, 99.6, up through a 99.9, squeezed in a few more before we got to this official, the official 100th episode, okay? So we are seeking to mark the moment. And uh, let me just mention, before we get to this special content today, coming up next week, the week of December 15th, is the official Jesus Smart the Podcast Christmas special, okay? It's called Hey Herod, Unwrap This. And uh, I think you're going to have a sense that we're going to move from a Hallmark Christmas, if you know anything about that. I certainly do, living with five women, but we're going to be moving from a Hallmark Christmas to something more like pressing toward the mark, making your mark, and Christmas as invasion. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a Christmas worth celebrating. Okay, so tune in next week. I think you're going to like it. And then we'll have a couple of quick, short Godspeed episodes the week of Christmas week and New Year's week. And then in January, there's going to be a vision podcast, a podcast about the podcast and about podcasts listening. The show is growing. God has graced it. It's more than doubled its footprint just within the past couple of months. Guests are starting to line up for 2020 as well. And so this is one of those things, you know, it's just it it continues to unfold as we continue to journey with it more and more comes into into vision and into play. But today we are hearing from seven guests, including Frank Viola, Ken Roberts, Dr. Charles Stone, Dr. Louis F. Kayaton, Dr. Julie Slattery, attorney Travis S. Weber, and Mary DeMuth. In the middle of those guests, we're going to have a segment where we hear from listeners and friends of the show. I think you'll enjoy that. I was so pleased. Somehow it worked out where Frank Viola, a prolific author and teacher, was on the very first episode, episode one. And we were talking about his new book, which was coming out at that time called The Insurgents. It's all about the kingdom of God. Frank believes that God is restoring a message and practice of the kingdom of God in the church today, the remnant church. I see it as sort of a providential theme in that very first episode because the kingdom of God is is an arc, it's a narrative which carries right through the podcast. Here's Frank Viola. I see him as a maverick. I really like this guy. Do you feel that prior to the kingdom coming in its fullness at the Lord's second return? You know, it's the al- it's the already not yet that famous phrase, right? The kingdom is here already, but yes. it's not yet here in its completeness. And that is reserved for when Jesus comes. Again, as we approach that horizon, do you think that the Holy Spirit is pushing on this edge to restore kingdom understanding and really a working knowledge of the kingdom and practically, you know, practically speaking? Uh, Do you feel that that's something? Because restoration of truths and practice throughout church history seems to come in in waves, it, it seems. 
Um, the answer to that would be yes, and I'll, I'll make it more specific. I believe that before the Lord returns again, there will be, and there is, I believe, happening right now uh, in seed form, a recovery, a restoration, or a reclaiming of the gospel of the kingdom, mm -hmm. that kingdom that was presented in the first century. Now, so I believe a clear, uh, passionate, comprehensive, powerful restoration of that message will definitely mark what will happen with at least a remnant of God's people uh, before the Lord comes back. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I do believe that it is restoration. The kind of convert that is produced is the result of the kind of gospel that is preached. Mm -hmm. And that's really it. The gospel that most Christians hear today, Brian, is not the gospel that was presented in the first century. It's what? been diluted okay. of its cutting edge, of its power, and therefore the result is what we see, which is basically this, that most Christians today, in my perspective and in my understanding and my observation, are just as part of the world system as most unbelievers are. They just have an additional part to their life, a supplemental part to their life, and that's the Christian part. But in terms of their attachment to the things of the world— Money, possessions, power, etc. Addiction. You talk about that. Well, absolutely. It, it's not much different. And a lot of this gets into the fact that we have, it's, it's a symptom that we have not heard and responded to the gospel of the kingdom. And that's what the insurgence is all about. The insurgence is a revolutionary, powerful war against the world system in the Spirit of God, and a resurgence of the preaching, the experience, and the responding to the gospel of the kingdom. Ken Roberts is a great friend. He's a very experienced pastor. Now he's a life coach, a consultant for churches, an online trainer. And in this episode, we discussed finding your North Star in Christ, moving from a gospel of salvation to maturing into a gospel of the kingdom, which includes your personal narrative and how that fits into a kingdom meta narrative. Have you read Chronicles of Narnia or seen the movies at all? Or I have, yes, okay. for sure. Yep. Well, Prince, do you remember Prince, uh, is it Rillian or Rylan, his, his name, Prince Rylan, he gets under the spell of the witch, uh -huh. her sorcery. Right. And he can't recall where it came from. Wow. Do you remember that? I do remember that. And it says he felt it as a heavy, tangled, cold, clammy web of evil magic. Do people feel that way today? They do. And I think for a lot of different reasons. I mean, sometimes, of course, it is it is spiritually. But there's uh, just in the culture and the world we live in today, Brian, you know, is that uh, I think people feel overworked and overwhelmed. There's so much coming at us. I think many people actually feel scattered. I say it this way. Yeah. We're often running in many different directions, but aren't sure we're going anywhere at all. Yeah. And then also we oftentimes feel stuck. You know, a lot of routines, a lot of responsibilities running here and there. So I think a lot of people do feel like, uh, which which is my direction? What's my North Star? Am I making a difference? What's meaning in life for me? Will I look back and feel like I made any uh, significant contribution? So I think we are kind of un under a, a cloud. We have not given a full definition of what it means to find our identity. And what I mean by that is we've often, the, the gospel message has been the message of salvation, but it has not been the total 
restoration of the message of what's our identity in kingdom purposes while we're on the earth. Okay. And there's a big difference between the two. So okay. we leave people saved. You're stoke my fire here now with this so kind of we, talk. Yeah. <laughs> so we leave people who have forgiveness, but that's only half of the equation of our identity. I'm a holistic person. Okay. Ken Roberts has many things about who he is, and it's, it's reclaiming that entire identity of having purpose in life and meaning in life that isn't only my salvation. Is it fair to say that if we're just praying the prayer to go to heaven, quote unquote, someday, yes. that we're living a sort of a half life. We're not living the full spectrum Christ following. Oh, totally. You're, <laughs> you're getting me going. Now. All right. God is ultimately going to evaluate us based upon our faithfulness and our fruitfulness with what he's given us and the assignments that he's given us. Yes. That's what motivates me, not the world's success. Yes. Big difference. That episode with Ken Roberts was episode 27. Also encourage you to look at episode 28. Jesus wants to develop everything about your life. This next excerpt is from Dr. Charles Stone. He's a Canadian pastor and researcher on neuroscience and leadership. Check it out. Episode 65. It's called Holy Noticing, Blending an Ancient Spiritual Practice and Neuroscience to Live Our Best Lives. Holy Noticing is authentic biblical mindfulness that predates Eastern mindfulness. It's all about health, wellness, our spirituality, longevity. Here's Dr. Charles Stone. Are we not having enough time to think, enough time to be quiet, enough time to be mindful, even as even as Christians today in our times? We live in this world, this 24-7 connectedness. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of it, too. So if I chose to, I could be 24-7 connected. And we live in this world where we're constantly bombarded to move to this next better moment. And so for Christians, yes, we're caught into this world where we're, we're missing that contemplative, quiet, slowed pace. And even the secular world, there are a lot of books that have come out. Uh, Cal Newport is a, he's a brilliant guy. He's written deep work in his most recent one, Digital Minimalism. Yes. When he talks about how can we carve time for ourselves away from all of our digital connectedness. So it's kind of like Mary and Martha syndrome. Yeah. You know, this, when Jesus went and visited them and yeah. Martha was busy, busy, busy. And what was, what was Mary doing? sitting at the feet of Jesus, just being still with him. So yeah, it's it's a missing thing in our culture and missing from our spirituality as well, I believe. I think what can give comfort to Christians that read about mindfulness, I'll define holy noticing in a minute, read about it from a Christian perspective is that good science is truth, God's truth. Yeah. Good science is telling us the benefits of these practices. But you also go into biblical history Look at the Old Testament. You find many references to this quietness and contemplative, meditative, being still before God, especially mm-hmm. in the Psalms. Yeah. And the word mindfulness comes out of the Pali language, which was kind of Buddhist uh, language, the Buddhist language. But people need to realize that this, these practices rooted in the Hebrew scriptures predated the Pali language. Sure. So you have this predating here. You have the example of the Old Testament. You have the example of the New Testament. Mary, Jesus getting away and being still before God. The Apostle Paul's fascination with the use of the word mind. Over 40 times he used the word mind in his writings. So, yeah, you know, this general revelation, all truth is God's truth. We can learn from that, and we, and we should. We shouldn't be afraid of it. Holy noticing is how I define mindfulness from the Christian perspective. Holy noticing is, is essentially noticing with a holy purpose, God and his handiwork, our relationships, 
and our inner world of thoughts and feelings. I'll say it again. So mm. noticing with the holy purpose, okay. God and his handiwork, our relationships, and our inner world of thoughts and feelings. So that's that's how I'm defining mindfulness from a Christian perspective, using the concept of the two words, holy noticing. Dr. Lewis F. Kayatin is a foundational mentor and pastor in my life. We sat outside on a warm summer day and talked about cultivating kingdom craftsmanship and developing as a Christ follower into a Holy Spirit fullness lifestyle. And Dr. Kayatin sees a clear connection between this and developing as an apprentice of the kingdom. You can check out these episodes. We split the conversation into two episodes. Episode 79, Level Up by Cultivating Kingdom Craftsmanship, and Episode 80, Quest for a 10,000% Kingdom Lifestyle. That's the 100-fold return on the sowing of the word of the kingdom in your life. And we really do want to live our days, don't we? Like this is the day the Lord has made. We want to live days of accuracy and alignment with the Father's best activity mm. in our lives, you know? Mm. Don't we quest for that? Yeah, absolutely. The the accuracy of the of the response, I guess, to the Holy Spirit is really predicated upon whether or not you're aware. You have to create an awareness and really an intentional uh, vision, I, I call it. So you okay. have to look for the Holy Spirit. Look for his assignment or his nudging or part of his direction for your life. And one of the things that I like to do in the mornings in my prayer time is not only do I pray in the Holy Spirit for a good, good season of time, but prior to that, I ask the Holy Spirit to search the mind of God and to reveal those truths that only he can reveal to my spirit and my spirit to make it known to my natural mind that I might live out daily the wisdom and revelation uh, of that truth. Come on. Because without that, without the Holy Spirit revealing and prompting and our mind receiving from yes. our spirit, then really we're kind of out there just a buoy in the middle of the ocean, just at every wave, at every wind direction. Yeah. But otherwise we could really flow in the wisdom and revelation of God on a daily basis and expect it. I love that. They were asked of Jesus to go into the upper room. Mm-hmm. He said, and wait there mm. because you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. So like moving beyond like a baptism of just repentance, now he's wanting them to come into a, to a spirit-filled life. To a fullness. Fullness of the, of the Spirit. You know, and I've, I've used those terms so many times in my, my walk with God about being filled with the Spirit, but I'm having a new appreciation for what I believe it is now. Many of us are living empty or void of kingdom concepts or the crafting of the kingdom, and we need to be filled or we need to be introduced or indoctrinated into that craft. Into the craft of the kingdom. Of the kingdom, which is through the Holy Spirit. Do you think we're in a season where the Lord is restoring an understanding and a revelation of the kingdom or recapturing? Because it's, frankly, when you look at the teachings of Jesus, it's amazing. I mean, someone has said it's amazing how much he talked and practiced the kingdom and how little we do. That it's, that it's embarrassing. Well, it is very, it is very true. It's a, it's a dichotomy for sure. I mean, think about it. The craft of the kingdom is really mirroring Jesus, which the scripture says simply about him that he did nothing unless he first Father's heard from initiative. his father or the yeah. father gave him the instruction. Right. He didn't speak yeah. anything yep. unless the father first spoke it to him. Now, I have to tell you, I don't live on that level. But I'm well, requesting pressing, for it, aren't we? I'm questing yeah. for that level. Yeah. I want to I want to speak 
His words in every scenario, in every situation. I'm so grateful for these friends of the show, and I'm grateful for everyone who listens. It's so good to hear from the other end of the mic, and we'll have more of this type of thing moving forward, ways for listeners to actually audibly feedback and get their voices on the show. I can see that coming. But I'm so grateful for these listeners and their kind comments. Hey, Brian, Josh, J.C. Alfelto of The Writer's Lens here. Just want to say congratulations on your 100th episode. I can always find great content from Jesus Smart whenever I dial in. Uh, you have that just special gift, man, of bringing a perspective that is challenging to believers and challenging to non-believers, too, who might check out your, your podcast. So keep it up, my friend. Uh, keep it rolling. Keep bringing on new guests, new people that want to engage the conversation. You know that they're out there. Uh, me included, man. Whenever you're ready to engage, you know, the narrative wars, I'm here for you. <laughs> Again, congrats. Great stuff. Keep it up, sir. Hi, Brian. Sylvia here. Congratulations on recording 100 episodes. That is so exciting. I have enjoyed listening to Jesus Smart for over a year and a half now and have been greatly blessed by encouraging words, thought-provoking conversations, and sound doctrine. Keep up the good work. Brian brings a tremendous perspective to Jesus Smart the Podcast, difficult material, biblical perspective, many years of experience growing into Christ and really giving a chance for others to grow into all things Christ. He has an imperative message for the body of Christ to help cut through the spiritual fog. The Jesus Smart Podcast, to me, intelligently offers its listeners interesting discussions on important topics, including prayer, creativity, and the pursuit of the increase of knowledge. Proverbs 18.15 tells us the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. The Jesus Smart Podcast also highlights other like-minded people who share in the quest towards knowing more about Christ and having a deeper understanding of His Word. Willie Scott, co-founder of Better Than Blended and Team Kingdom Impact Inc., where we believe and we desire to impact, influence, and transform the world around us. We want to send a huge, huge congratulations to Brian and the team at Jesus Smart for their 100th episode. This show is an incredible show, and I see it influencing the world around us. Congratulations, and thank you so much, Brian, for all that you do for the kingdom. I just wanted to put a plug in for uh, Jesus Smart, the podcast. It's really good stuff. We need more voices in the world today to uh, capture a kingdom imagination, uh, to keep us looking forward, address subjects that are relevant to all of life. I always find something interesting, uh, thought-provoking, covers a multitude of subjects. The future awaits. Ryan helps us to prepare for that future. Hi, Brian. I just wanted to say that I love listening to the podcast. They're really interesting and informative and they encourage me to think on a much higher level. But it's done in a clear, concise way, in a fresh way. I particularly enjoy the last episode, 99.9, You Can Be Super Creative in Christ. As an artist and creative person myself, it really excited and inspired me. And I couldn't stop myself from shouting yes, yes and amen all the way through the episode. 
and I listened to it several times over because there was so much in it. Anyway, I just want to say thank you and congratulations on your 100th episode. I want to run with Christ followers who are kingdom-minded, and these types of listeners and friends of the show are just that. I appreciate them so much. I had a great conversation with Dr. Julie Slattery of Authentic Intimacy. Episode 88 is where you can find this full conversation. It's called simply Designer Sex. That's right, Designer Sex, the best sex, and how it all fits in with the design of God. She talks about sexual discipleship. We talk about how the world system has been out discipling the church when it comes to the space of sexuality. We're having to now equip churches and equip church leadership and get messaging out, which which helps us to catch up and really get the design of God concerning sex, sexual discipleship before Christ followers. It's a reflection of the sacred romance of Christ in the church. If we'll go with God, though, all bets are off and the sky's the limit. So, Dr. Julie, your concern is this phrase, sexual discipleship. And do you feel that it might be a generalization, perhaps, but how is the church doing with this? Well, I don't think we're doing very well. And that's not to insult our church leaders. I think that we have adopted a heritage, a tradition that pretty much says that we don't talk about sex in church. And if we do talk about it, it tends to be stilted or sound judgmental. And uh, and so we have a lot of church leaders in today's generation that are facing tremendous questions and issues related to sexuality, and uh, they really are not equipped. They've never had it modeled for them. How do we how do we venture into this territory? So I think we've we've moved from a silence approach uh, to now almost a panicked problem solving approach. Mm. Of our congregations are dealing with so much pain. I think most churches don't have a concept of what it is to step into more of a discipleship approach related to sexuality. Does the world system disciple us? <laughs> yeah, of course. It, you know, is really a holistic way of teaching us how to live. As Christians, we want to be discipled by Jesus. We want to be his disciples and we want to integrate all of our life into the question, what does it mean to honor Jesus and to follow him? I know I've heard you say before that sexuality is a powerful metaphor of a sacred romance, right? Mm-hmm. Between God and his people. I think I even heard you say that sexual intimacy between a husband and a wife is pointing toward the covenant, the intimate yes. covenant of God and his people. And, you know, I think we see that message throughout both the Old Testament and New Testament, the whole idea of marriage and one flesh union, as Paul would say in Ephesians chapter five, is a mystery pointing to Christ in the church. Why is it that that metaphor where Jesus is called our bridegroom. Uh, why is it that we're, we have the metaphor and revelation of the wedding feast of the Lamb? Mm-hmm. Uh, because marriage, including sexual intimacy within marriage and including male and female, was all created to be a physical way to help us anticipate the spiritual union that we are created to have with God. And so sexuality is a way in our bodies that we experience uh, a foreshadow of what God created us for. 
Back in episode 37, I had the chance to talk with attorney Travis S. Weber. He's a vice president with the Family Research Council in Washington, D.C. We were talking about the freeing of Pastor Andrew Brunson from imprisonment in Turkey. There was a significant prayer movement which catalyzed that release. We talk about behind-the-scenes activity in that release, Travis Weber's involvement along with Tony Perkins from the Family Research Council. Check it all out in episode 37. There's an importance. One of the conclusions we had in our conversation was the importance of the King's royal ambassadors. Yes, that's you. That's me in Christ. Whether we know it or not, we have to come into that awareness and that development. But being informed and engaging our prayer capacity. It's a secret spiritual technology to shape and steer history. Travis, what is your sense of what the prayer movement was like internationally to to sustain this pastor and to pray for his release? It was a widely prayed over situation. I mean, I've talked to a number of people, and, and I know that it was widely prayed over among different groups, different churches in the United States. We asked people to sign a pledge on our website that they would pray for him. Mm-hmm. We printed their names out and delivered those almost 16,000 names to him. The night before the hearing over in Turkey, uh, Tony Perkins delivered those to him at his home. You know, we know people in different parts of the world were praying for him. His church members in Turkey were praying for him. It really was very widespread. And I think the fascinating thing about the prayer aspect of this whole situation is the way it worked out even after he was released. You know, he he's released, comes to the White House to meet President Trump, prays for President Trump, laying hands on him on national TV with all the press there. Uh, you know, and they're reporting on his prayer, on yeah. the prayer of of seeking the Lord, pointing to the Lord for President Trump, praying for President Trump. You know, and that was really a testimony to the fact that we all need God and pointing people's eyes toward God. And that's really what Pastor Brunson has done throughout this whole thing, this whole situation. Mm-hmm. It's neat to see God work things out in that way. I mean, I know that when I was over in Turkey, the day I got there, I just felt burdened, and even leading up to that, but felt burdened to pray for him in the days leading up to this, the day before when I was walking around Izmir, was praying for him and just felt a real sense of burden. So I felt like God answered my prayers and many people were praying much more than I was. So it was really an answer to prayer. I believe that all those prayers streaming together and it reaches a um, sort of an aggregate or a tipping point and uh, moves the needle right on the earth on, on an issue like that. And we can even see, uh, like in the book of Acts, we see instances of this type of thing happening where Christians are praying and people are supernaturally released from prison. It's really an amazing, an amazing story. Was there a plane on standby and then you came through Germany and then back to the States? Well, you know, so nobody knew what the outcome was going to be when the outcome was announced. Now, there was decisions that were made in order to try to get him out of the country as soon as possible. And as the, the verdict comes down, State Department is scrambling to figure out what to do. Tony Perkins is in touch with them. There was quickly a need to get him out of the country. A, um, a DOD plane was called in from Germany, landed in Turkey and Izmir later that evening. Pastor Brunson, his wife, and Tony were on that plane and out of the country. And, you know, there was definitely a sequence of events which came together very quickly after that verdict came down. I mean, he also said, I heard him say in an interview on television that it was like a Joseph situation. Like Joseph in the Bible went from prison, he says, to standing before Pharaoh of Egypt. He went from standing before judges who could have put him in jail for decades to suddenly standing before the president of the United States the next day. That feels like a prayer outcome to me right there. You know, for me, it just highlighted the importance of increasingly engaging 
American Christians on international religious freedom issues. Because when you see the role of prayer played in this, we can be encouraged that we can all play a part by praying for these situations, for the conditions of religious freedom globally. You know, prayer is the most important thing, and that's something that everyone can do. I had the opportunity to talk with prolific author, really, she's a activist and influencer, Mary DeMuth, episode 89. No one elevates women like King Jesus. We talk about how coming to Christ catalyzes a, a restoring process in our life and how men and women together exercise dominion and we live now in the light of the new heavens and the new earth. It's really an Edenic principle. It's a recapturing of something of the dynamic of Eden as we live now in the light of the new heavens and new earth to come. When we look early on in Genesis, we see the community of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit saying something like this, let us together make mm-hmm. man in our image. And then male and female, he created them. And what I'm just wondering about is that we need to see both male and female in the Jesus experience come into their full place, their full rights, if you will, their full position to really bear his image well in the earth. Do you think the adversary fights against this, Mary? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is that a rhetorical question? (laughs) Uh, Yes, of course he does. And anything that represents the unity of the Trinity is going to be under attack. And as you mentioned, um, having both female and male voices in the kingdom are utterly important and living in cohesion with those voices and, and dignifying each other as fellow uh, image bearers of of God is super important. Do you feel that the born-again experience in Jesus is in part meant to be the initiation of a of a restory process in our lives? Yes, that's definitely my uh, experience. I can definitely speak from my own experiences. When I met Jesus, that was the beginning of my healing journey. And I had kept, you know, many things silent for about a decade. And once I met Christ, I was able to begin to let them out. And that was the first step toward really finding some health. Do you subscribe to the idea that there's a grand narrative, a story that God is telling, which is above, beyond us, wonderful our personal lives are meant to be subplots or, or life stories that fit into that greater story? Of course. And it's all a part of the narrative of the kingdom. And it has, it's not, I think we have made a mistake when we divide the Testaments and we think, okay, that's the old story and here's the new story. It's actually, a, like you said, a grand narrative coming from the very beginning that that God in his Trinitarian form had um, a plan of salvation for humanity. And uh, that whole process incorporated the whole of the Testaments. And you're right, all of us play a, a little part of that grand narrative. That's what makes life exciting for me day by day, because I realize, well, what am I, what part am I playing? Mm. And I do want to live to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Like that is my almost obsession. Like I want to know that what I'm doing on this earth is making some inroads 
for the kingdom. Not that I'm anything special, but just that the Holy Spirit through me is able to help other people find health and transformation. We see the Garden of Eden as a pristine place where things were right. And we see um, male and female both um, dominating the earth and having dominion over the earth. And they were co-laborers cultivating the garden and being a part of that and living in harmony with one another. And we hear Paul say things like there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female. We see this return or we hope to see this beginning of a return to Eden, getting closer and closer to the new heavens and the new earth and the ideal of the kingdom. And so as the church, we're supposed to represent this new heavens and new earth. And how else can we do that but to work alongside one another in harmony and dignifying the image of God in one another. I so appreciate these guests. I believe in creating content, kingdom content, which moves the needle. I'm always thinking of outcome-based content, and I'm so thankful for these guests and more that we didn't have the opportunity to feature on this 100th episode. More are coming, though. I encourage you to go back and just sort of comb through the archive and select those episode titles, which, which really stand out to you. Let me just share a few thoughts with you at the end here as we conclude about increasing your kingdom footprint. My friend, there is a footprint of your life. You are designed to go places. You are designed to make an imprint in the earth, an indelible mark. You're designed to carry a presence, to carry an influence. And I'm seeing the footprint of our life as the range of our influence that sphere of influence that we're called to progressively increase in over the course of our lifetime. In Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about how we can shod our feet, prepare our feet with some footwear, the shoes of the gospel of peace. It's really an indicator there of readiness, preparedness, and mobility. You know, in Isaiah, it talks about how beautiful are the feet of those who, who bring good news. Uh, the scripture says that every place that the sole of your feet tread, I've given it to you. There is, my friend, in the spirit, a treading in the spirit. I'm talking about prayer, praise, proclamation, and then actually activating and taking real world concrete steps, even if you start out with baby steps, moving forward and treading with your feet and increasing the range of your kingdom footprint. Now, there is a providence to this. There is a design to this. We can't like get ahead or outside of what God has actually designed for our life. If so, it's okay. It's a learning experience. We'll fall back. We'll kind of realign back into our design. But we also don't want to come short of moving in the providence of God, moving in the design of God for our life either. We want to keep the proper pace, the proper cadence, the proper growth happening. Again, I'm defining uh, our footprint as the range of our prayer, the range of our, our proclamation. Our footprint is worked out in the secret place as well as in the public space. It's the range of our testimony. Maybe you create content, having dialogue and conversations with people, the work that you do, the projects that you work on, that passion effort, you know, that cause, that mission. It's it's different for different people. It all fits together into 
a, a large story that God is unfolding, but it will be multifaceted in your own life. I just want to encourage you to pray to increase the range of your kingdom footprint under the design of God. It's a readiness of the gospel of the kingdom. It's modeling, it's communicating, it's working on those edges, pursuing those horizons. I, I you know, take liberty, give yourself permission, get yourself up into a high mountain, it says in Isaiah. Jesus said, we are a city on a hill. Again, Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Build this out in prayer and then build it out in prayer-born activity. You know, we believe that the creation mandate upon Adam and Eve, that archetype, that prototype was to extend the Garden of Eden throughout the earth through their work and throughout their descendants, of course. It's cultivation. It's releasing the latent potential of God's creation, partnering with Him. It's the naming of the animals, that principle of having insight into God's creation, providing definition and communication and divine intelligence into what God has created. It's increasing your part in the Edenic footprint throughout the range of the earth. When we come into Christ, the process of the restoration of all things is catalyzed in our spirit. Yes, Jesus is coming again in which he will complete, will take a quantum step forward into the new heavens and the new earth. But that resurrection life, that recreating life, that DNA is already in you as a new species of being in Christ, a new creation. And so we now begin in our personal life, we begin to sample the powers of the age to come, Hebrews 6, 5. We begin to live in the light of the new heavens and the new earth. We begin to increase in this Edenic dynamic in our own life through our own personal kingdom footprint. This is an Edenic thing that comes into play in Christ. After all, Jesus said, go. The word go is an imperative, a divine imperative over our life. We have to move our feet. We have to increase the range of our kingdom footprint in prayer and then in everything he's called you to do. Spread Eden throughout your world. Let it overflow into the world at large. Let it fill up your personal world. Let it overflow into the world at large, every place the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you. Now, this is normative. Anything else is abnormal. This is the way we are meant to live in Christ. And so if we're too slow on the take with this, or if we're totally unaware of it, that is abnormal Christ following. Normal Christ following is increasing, includes increasing your kingdom footprint in the earth. It's a whole lot more, but it includes increasing your kingdom footprint. That's something that I'm challenged about personally, and I just, uh, I don't know, felt to share it with you today, concluding this episode. So thank you for listening, and uh, thank you for sort of celebrating with us here. And to learn more about the podcast, you can go to jesussmart.com. See the show notes page for this episode for links. I'll link to every one of those episodes that I mentioned today with those guest highlights. There may be some additional resources there as well. If when you listen to this, if the show notes page is not quite up yet, come back. Come back to JesusSmart.com. It'll be up within some hours after that. It always helps when you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It's now on iHeartRadio and Spotify. You can search on your app. 
We have an e-letter, an e-letter which goes out nearly every week. With uh, We try to put together some next-level ideas and insights we're all questing to develop as a Christ follower and an apprentice of his kingdom. Hey, Jesus is a savior. He's a redeemer. He's also brilliant. He knows how life works best starting right now. We'll talk with you soon.